Is it really work? That's funny. I was I was gonna say, uh, but I guess this isn't work, is it? No, not when you love it. Not when you love it. Ambush just keeps pushing buttons that take things in and out of my ears, and so now I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> I'm apologize. It's okay. Yeah, yeah. I just noticed our levels were a little low. That make quick adjustment there, and now we're good to go. Okay. Well, now I'm back to not hearing anything. So I am with that you. is fantastic. I am Good morning, Crystal. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna get this together. Yeah. Uh, we will have. We have a, a few, really great stories today. True. I hope that we don't um, talk ourselves into not getting to some of our stories because <laughs> that's what you know. Sometimes it goes down that way, but these are some good ones. Mm-hmm. Not that they always are. But. Yeah. So the Oath Keepers right. members list reveals more than just one bad apple. Mm. And a Texas judge says HIV drug mandates violate religious freedom. Ridiculous. In a local story, a uh, prosecutor used secret signal with witnesses, bringing convictions into question. And a class action lawsuit says the city of Portland is violating the Americans with Disabilities Act by not sweeping people in their tents every day. And uh, at 8.45, mm-hmm. we have Alex Zelensky, news editor for the Portland Mercury, who will be joining us to talk about some of the city's leadership who are now opposing charter reform. Wowie, wow, wow. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Can't wait to get to that. Yeah. I definitely. know Alex is going to break that all down for us in uh, the way that we need it. But I was reading some uh, reading up on that yesterday, mm-hmm. and... Uh, Sounding a whole lot, a, a real people for Portlandish, you know. It, it was what real flip floppery, if you will. I, I was about to jump into what I found interesting about it as well, but I don't want to start podding before it's time oh. to start podding. Okay, fair enough. Fair know? enough. Fair enough. So sure, we'll hop into a music break and catch you on the other side. Good morning, Rudo. <laughs> uh, Rudo says, good morning on this fine Rose City Comic Con Eve, my Thursday fam. That's exactly what it is, Rudo. That's what it is. Uh-huh. Comic Con, Rose City Comic Con Eve. Yeah. It kicks off tomorrow. Ambush and I will be there one of those days. Yeah. Yeah. I'm leaning towards Saturday. Okay. it's a sweet spot. Mm-hmm. Like, Friday, not all the vendors are there, but it's a slower day. Saturday. So this would be where I want to go. Got it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sunday, um, all the vendors are just trying to get, you know, they're trying to offload everything. Well, isn't that when you want to get there? So you have prime uh, bargaining chips or something? It is true. Honestly, like if I was going by myself, I'd probably go Saturday and Sunday. Um, but going with the fam this year, it's a game plan. I want to go Saturday because that's when all the major cosplaying is happening. Oh, yeah. Oh, man, we're going to look like dorks in there, not dressed up. <laughs> I mean... I got it. You got to... I need b- more notice. <laughs> more notice next time. So can you show up as the Belchers? I know that's what you want. Oh, my word. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> but 
only if I get to be Louise. Uh, what? No. I mean, I feel like I feel like Kayla. Oh, I just have to be the mom. Okay. Yeah, yeah kind of mom. Mom, you kind of have to be the mom. Whack. Yeah, this is this is what I'm thinking. Yeah. I don't know, Rudo. Um, who do you cosplay as? Right. Oh, that's what I want to know. Yeah. Who else is in Comic Con? Also, I feel like Crystal probably does a great cosplay. I can see. You know. That. I can see that. Yeah. I don't yeah. know how Crystal has time. Certainly not. Yeah. But I feel like, you know, it's a possibility. Yeah. Yeah. It wouldn't surprise me. I guess that's that's right. what we'll say. Same. Same. We don't think you have any time or <laughs> caring for too many uh things. Right. But yeah, I think if you given the opportunity You turn up. Some greatness. And just blow us away. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I believe that. Yeah. So good I morning, Tex Fam Squad friends. Folks. Hey, hey, man, it's a different vibe on vacay. Yeah. I'm in here, like, I got sweats and, you know, comfortable tea, you know. I don't have to show up at the office after this. Technically, if I wanted to, I could go back to bed. Technically, if you wanted to, yeah. you could go home yeah. and lay back down. Man. What a life. Oh. I'll tell you this, it's uh, really nice having you around. Yay. But I also just want to be on vacation with you instead of you. like, oh, well, now I'm going to go do things. Get the office. Good to have you home while I'm in the office. Oh, my God. Rudo said ambush is Gene, and I am losing it. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I wouldn't be. Dang. All right, Rudo. Actually, very accurate. I wouldn't be. <laughs> <laughs> she dropping dimes on me, you know? <laughs> It is a different vibe. Yeah. It's also a different vibe when we don't have Nebraska. So there's, you know, sometimes a a, a little anxiety before we get started. Oh, definitely. So, at least definitely. for me, I'm not going to, I won't speak for you. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm always like, oh gosh, I hope everything goes right for my. No, it's, it's, it's normal. There's, there's always, it was funny. Um, I can't remember who you were talking to. Maybe with some family over the weekend and you were talking about, you know, there's always like that little level a little tinge of anxiety even with things like the like the, you know your weekly podcast that you do and, you yeah know, just, you know things like that and i'm here to tell everyone it's the exact same thing for me even as a dj whether um, i'm about to start recording or a live um set um like it's it's a level of anxiety that i'm used to now i know it's part of my you know process. part of my process mm-hmm. that's the word i was escaping me it's part of my process but um, yeah, it doesn't change. It's still there, you know. Yeah, it like doesn't matter how long you've been doing it. Yeah, get a little nervous, and then you know it shakes off. I, I, whenever I do any sort of public speaking, my voice is shaky in the beginning, mm. and I've mm-hmm. had to like just get to the point where I say, "Hey, my voice is, is gonna it's gonna level out. We're right. all fine. It's like, gonna level out." <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's absolutely like uh oh, <laughs> I'm terrified. <laughs> you know what? I honestly I, I think there have been a couple times when I had anxiety because I didn't have anxiety. Yikes. That, yeah. that is so like, definitely a thing. Because there's so many elements like we if you're doing a full setup as a DJ, did I bring all my equipment? Especially back when it wasn't as easy as just open your laptop, connect to the controller. You know, when we were bringing like Serato boxes and needles and everything else. And if I got in there, it was too comfortable. 
immediately I'm like, oh my, I Some, forgot something's something. Something's wrong. Something, I, I don't have a cable. Yeah. I don't have a blah, blah, blah. And it'd be all right. Be all right. You know, I'll take that. The anxiety of thinking I'm not prepared, but I am prepared. Yeah. I'm okay with that. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that more easily goes away. <sighs> Man, we need to get a uh, someone to talk, someone on the show to talk about anxiety. Maybe we'll do that for our listeners at some point. Huh? I'm down. How's that? How's that? How's that shake your tree? <laughs> <laughs> Is that a gene line? I don't know. That's a gene line. I'm pretty sure it's not. Okay. No. All right. All right. What? Keep an eye on you, Ruda. <laughs> <laughs> hopefully, uh, th- hopefully you're at the Comic Con this weekend. If you have time, you know that'd be dope. I mean. It'd be wild if Rudolph didn't go at least one of the days. No after press. wishing us a happy Rose City Comic Con Eve. No press if you're like. I feel doing like stuff. there is definitely, you know, the possibility. It's true. It's true. All right. Well, we're gonna jump into some of this niche. I would love the uh, Oathkeeper story. Let's do it. Shall I? I'll Shall you? Yes. Okay. A leaked list of Oath Keepers members reveals how far-reaching the far-right extremist group has penetrated into the U.S. military, law enforcement, and elected offices across the country. The Anti-Defamation League Center on Extremism combed through the list containing over 38,000 names and found over 370 who it believes currently works in law enforcement and over 100 more who are current members of the military. Mm. In addition to this, over 80 of the names are identified as people who were running for or have served in public office since early August. Mm. The list includes names of people who have left the Oath Keepers as well as current members. But the ADL stresses that, quote, even for those who claim to have left the organization when it began to employ more aggressive tactics in 2014, it is important to remember that the Oath Keepers have espoused extremism since their founding. And this fact was not enough to deter these individuals from signing up. In fact, a number of people on the list claim that they never paid dues or were only briefly involved. Many say that they found the group too extreme. The group specifically recruits current and former military, police, and first responders in order to, quote, defend the Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic. <laughs> Over two dozen people associated with the Oath Keepers, including founder Stuart Rhodes, have been charged for their roles in the January 6th attack on the Capitol. Rhodes, who is heading to trial this month on seditious conspiracy charges, claims that he is innocent and that he never planned to attack the Capitol. Despite a membership boom throughout the Obama administration and an increasingly public presence during the Trump administration, membership has fallen since January 6th, as many have stepped back from the group associated so closely with its founder. <sighs> a boom during the uh, Obama administration, huh? You don't say yeah, that it, it doesn't make sense to me at all. Why would that be true? Their, their their mission is to defend the Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic. Here's what I'm curious about: the whole foreign and domestic thing. Mm-hmm. Foreign? Are you are you going to someone else's country? No. Do you a, mean foreigners coming here? Is that yeah? Is that, that's what they mean. Okay. Yeah. Usually, when I hear foreign and domestic, it's because you know. These are special forces or forces that are deployed in other countries, foreign and domestic here back home. But what they mean is foreigners. Well, they mean if there is any foreign threat, meaning if there is crossing of borders, things of that nature. You know, because otherwise it's all actually domestic. 
Well, it is. Jumps. Yeah, it, yeah. It, it is absolutely yeah. all domestic. Yeah. When you when you are uh, a spearhead of the January 6th riot, <laughs> the inbred surrection. Yeah. When you're like, hey, we'll do the we'll do the planning. We'll go ahead and get the uh, the cache of weapons right. over here. We'll strategically place them throughout the city. We'll bust a few folks in. Yeah. That's a domestic. Yeah. T word. Yeah. <laughs> and also. And I don't mean treason. Right. But Dep- also. Like, oh, we've talked about this a couple of times. Who is your opposition? The go- government. Government. Yeah. Supposedly. Yeah. You're you're gonna arm yourself to the teeth and fight the government. Well, ambush, come on. Of course we are, because we have ex military. Mm-hmm. We have current current military. True. Military. We have current police officers. Mm-hmm. And we got politicians. So, you know, we're just a well rounded affront. I need them to go back to sleep. <laughs> Pack it up. Shut it down. Never will, brother. <laughs> you guys missed your nappy time, and you're a little irritated. You need an applesauce? You need an applesauce? So the thing that kills me is, didn't this hack happen last year? I, I remember the list being revealed. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it was a full year ago, but I think it was in 2021. And I'm sure it takes time to, you know, comb through that, that list. 38,000 names. That's a lot. <laughs> And yeah. also, too, plus and. Mm-hmm. I think it's hilarious that they're like, not everybody on there is current, guys. You know? Right. Hey, hey, hey. Our member roles are much smaller than that. <laughs> I'm going to go the other way. I'm going to guess there are quite a few people that aren't on the membership list that are in the game. Right. Right. But really, more than anything, what this uh, illuminates for some folks is something that we have been saving, saying for a long time is that people that hold these views are everywhere. They yeah. are the, the, you know, the EMTs and the police. Yep. So truck driver. And your politicians and your tow truck driver and your ride share, your local government. Say that part. Judges. I mean, when, when this is the, when this is the infrastructure, explain to me where we get any sort of equity. And I don't just, you know, equitable treatment. You can't, res- you can't expect to get that when the people who are doling the treatment out <laughs> don't believe in that. Um, and that guise of like anti-government mm-hmm. is, it's, it's a ruse for me. It is a way to be able to be like, we're not racist. Look, we have a couple of black and brown folks in our ranks, much like the Proud Boys. When nationalism and fascism is the point. (laughs) Right. You, you, you'll, you'll big, you'll big tent it. (laughs) You'll, you'll uh, let some of those people in that you don't really want there. And then, and then, you know, we'll see what happens to those folks. Yeah. Uh, Apologies for uh, uh, my distraction there. I was actually going to an Oath Keepers website to see what the membership and enrollment looked like. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't find like OathKeepers.com or whatever. 
But I did find OathkeepersUtah.com. So maybe they have them. This estate situation. Maybe we search Oathkeepers Portland. I don't know how that works. But uh, Utah Oathkeepers, we believe in honoring our constitutional oath. The Utah Oath Keepers are a group of proud patriots dedicated to upholding, no, I'm sorry, yes, to upholding the Constitution of the United States. Our members have a long history of service to the United States as military, law enforcement, and first responder professionals, and continue to serve through Oath Keepers programs and service missions. Service missions. Mm. Well, just a reminder, Ambush, you said, you said something that made me, oh, you, uh, do we just search Oath Keepers Portland? Yeah. A reminder that dozens of Oregon law enforcement officers dozens. have been or are members of the far right Oath Keepers militia. Mm. Since 2009. I mean, since its founding, right. they have been a part of that. Um, ju- yeah, just a reminder. Just serving as a reminder. You uh, know? I did find the application. And it does communicate quite clearly that there will be a background check. Uh, this is a fifty dollar. <laughs> this is a fifty dollar fee. <laughs> fifty dollar application fee, which is separate from the national oath keepers. And, oh, uh, once you're that's a that's a fifty dollar membership or something too. Yeah, whatever that's going to be. Yeah. So they're asking for play, uh, your general information. They need your driver's license number. Mm. Oh, I'm not giving you that. Well, it's the background check. Submit. Uh-uh. No. I hereby authorize those What do you keepers. need? If you are, no. If you are uh, an anti-government group, why are you using government Why are you bringing so tools? much government in? Yeah. Well, that's the thing, babe. I don't think they're anti-government as much as they are pro-fantasy government that they are mm-hmm. promoting. You know, I do wonder what what the form of government that they really want is slavery. You know? Back to huh? okay, whatever the government <laughs> that successfully <laughs> has like ah! proliferated slavery. That's the, the I mean, make America great again. Back to the good old days, you know, around that time period when people knew their place. Yeah, okay, that's what they want. So upon signing up, okay, your signature. Is saying, I hereby authorize the Oath Keepers to conduct a security background check on me. Mm-hmm. I understand that the security check will cover information including, but not limited to, criminal history, education, and employment. I hereby release Oath Keepers and its officers, employees, agents, and the signs, as well as the company performing the background check and its employees from all liability resulting from the furnishing of this information to the Oath Keepers. I certify that this that the statements made by me on this form are true, complete, blah blah blah. Yes, all of that. So, uh, you know, I have the link if you want to join in Utah. Well, I don't know that I get to be a part of this. It's, it's very much a you know proud boy ish situation. Oh, right. you don't have any ex uh, law enforcement or military in your background. I don't. You are correct there. I also don't LARP on the weekends. So very true. Very true. Rudo said that he's not in Portland. Oh, I never told you guys. I live on an Oath Keep compound in Idaho. <laughs> Just the fact that you put Oath Oh, Keep, I never told you guys. Oath Keep? Right. An Oath Keep compound? Rudo. 
Come on, you better man. get off of that. What? <laughs> Bye, man. You better not be over there. Things will not fare for you. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Yeah, this this is the, these these folks are everywhere. They have and uh, you know I I know that we have talked about this before, but um the Bannon mm, was yeah. and Roger Stone were going very hard in the paint, getting trying to get the Oath Keepers, Proud Boys, you know, uh the Ilk, Patriot Prayer. We see Joey Gibson. Uh to run for local office, to run for, you know, they were giving the message that you got to get involved in the school board. You right. got to be a part of this. Right. You got to be a part of this. And as that's happening, we're also seeing a lot of the burn those books. Oh, yeah. No critical race. Thing. Oh, yeah. Let's talk about boogeymen that don't exist. Let's be super mad about it, too. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, no coincidence, I guess, is what at I'm getting all. at. And, man, I wish that Steve Bannon and Roger Stone weren't so effective. You know, like, for as... Because from here, Ambush... <laughs> from your heart. From, from here, watching their movements, mm-hmm. it's like, hey, guys, don't we all see what, the, what those guys are doing? I feel like some of it's illegal. I feel like some of it's a... I feel like some of it's a thing that we could be talking about. At the very least, a danger to society... Indeed. Yeah. Yeah. At the very least, right? Something. But no, we like just we gotta let we gotta we gotta let it play out. So, so they're gonna do the oath keeps. They're gonna do a background check and look for my oath keeps. My my former uh <laughs> or you know previous run-ins with law enforcement. And then what? Because I guarantee you, you got a whole lot of people in your ranks who have done a whole lot of things. Yeah, this isn't their first rodeo. This isn't their first rodeo. Yeah. They want to. But here's the thing: they want to see what. What exactly it What's was for? It? You got some resisting arrest? All right. Okay, you're a rebel. You got some resisting arrest. Yeah. They want to see what's in there. The same people that tell you to comply. Well, it's a thin blue line. <laughs> Between love and hate. Yes. <laughs> Between oath and peeps. Oath keeps peeps. <laughs> oath peeps. Man. Nasty. Yeah. Nasty business. Nasty business. Well, shall I hit this other one? Oh, yeah, because I am feeling some type of way about this story. Uh, a W. Bush-appointed Texas judge says HIV drug mandate violates religious freedom. A federal judge has ruled in favor of a Christian-owned company claiming that a provision of the Affordable Care Act mandating free coverage of drugs that prevent HIV infection. Jonathan Mitchell, a conservative activist, filed the suit in 2020 on behalf of Braidwood Management, Inc. and other supposed Christian employers and employees. U.S. District Judge Reed O'Connor sided with Braidwood Management, declaring the ACA provision that requires free coverage of the HIV drugs Truvada and Descovy, I'm probably mm-hmm. wrong, uh, ruled it unconstitutional. Mitchell Warren, executive director of the HIV nonprofit, AVAC called the decision, quote, shocking on every level. Hundreds of thousands of mostly gay and bisexual male Americans take Truvada and Descovy, also known as PrEP. Experts expect the federal government to appeal the decision, but are concerned that the decision could embolden other lawsuits. Absolutely. O'Connor, an appointee of former President George W. Bush, has become well known among conservatives as the go-to judicial challenger of Obamacare. 
Jonathan Mitchell is similarly well known as the architect behind a Texas law that allows people to file lawsuits against people suspected of helping others access abortions. Recent analysis show that not all insurers have been sticking to the provision anyway, and experts are concerned that the high cost of PrEP will discourage the use of the highly effective drug. That Jonathan Mitchell is a, he's a peach there. He's a wonderful human being. Just out here doing the Lord's work. Oh, man. You know, here's what kills me. Tell me. This is preventative medicine. Preventative. Preventative. Yeah. Preventative. Yeah. What in the world does some, I mean, I guess here's a few things. So your highly conservative Christian uh, employer, as it is stated, finds issue with having to what? I mean, it, they do not pay more for that to happen, correct? Right. It's not as if as the employer, because that is covered, you are spending more money. Please, someone text in and tell me that I'm wrong or tell me that I'm right. <laughs> I, I, I just I'm, I'm asking the question. I'm right. not making a statement. I am confused on why. Does that make the, you know, the premium that this employer pays so outrageous that they need to find a reason that they should not be? Because why are you looking through that and going, oh, wait, 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 we shouldn't be covering this. Right. And how Christian of you is that? How? Well. Open the door and everybody's welcome. Whoa, 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 whoa. Oh, we didn't okay. say That's not what that. You oh, okay. Okay. I'm going to push the mic away. As a... uh you know, early life Seventh Day Adventist, <laughs> Baptist. Uh, what else is in there? Not Protestant. There's something else. Well, I've been baptized a bunch of times. In oh, the fire. I'll tell you that. Huh? <laughs> and yes, yes. While it may be all are welcome into the grace of God, you gotta, you know, you gotta have some guidelines here. All, but not all. All but not all. All but not all. If you're out there doing your fornicating <laughs> in the queer sense, anything in that in that field, hey, you need to get right with God first and then come to church. Because right now you're not right with God. And whatever happens as a consequence of your sin is for you to worry about. That is on you. Not us here in the church. It just seems like they have to they're going out of their way to be hateful. You know, like oh, it, yeah. it is the it, you are going out of your way. Yeah. Yeah. And We're, also, is, is anybody a benefits administrator? I really want to know. Is this even... Why? No, I don't want to know why. I know why. What I mean is, does out? that cost an employer more money? Is that is that, like, a thing? I, I can't see it. Because also, Affordable Care Act, like... uh doesn't give us enough anyway, right? right. And so you're going to take away something that you have, not you, uh, the Christian yeah. company. Yeah. But that has, th the prices of every single prescription drug have been hugely inflated. Of course. Hugely. And definitely has something to do with this particular medication being uh, most effective for gay men. That that price is uh, way up. Mm -hmm. So if 
they can't get it through their insurance. Now they have to pay out of pocket, which they can't afford to do because you don't pay them enough money. Right. So now they don't take it. Right. And then we have uh, a boom. A boom. Yeah. Uh, these are people. These are humans. These are lives. These yeah. are, this is preventative medicine. Like, I can't get over that part. Right. That's the, that's why I don't understand this idea of no birth control. This is preventative. If you don't want the smusmortions. Yeah. You're going to have to allow some, uh, birth control. Preventative measures. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you don't want us to have birth control. You don't want us to have condoms. You don't, you, no condoms, but you won't allow uh, preventative medicine for HIV. <laughs> like, I mean, with <clears throat> with some of these uh, Christian groups, especially the more fundamental um, Old Testament groups, they're not for affordable medication either because, you know, what happens, happens through the grace of the Lord. Oh, so certainly. If you're sick, funda- it's, yeah, it's meant to be your time to ascend to heaven. You don't need all these doctors and their fancy science science and research and trials. None of it. None of it. God's calling you home until it's their turn. And then it's like, well, what do you have? Is there some, it's just like, I mean, I feel like we saw a lot of that with COVID in the beginning. Oh yeah. Folks are on their, you know, on a ventilator saying, uh, just kidding. Y'all got that vaccine still? Or Right. And if I got that vaccine left. now, what would happen? Would this just go away? How's it work? Right. Just <laughs> just wild. Just absolutely wild. Um, you know, November's around the corner, guys. I'm not sure what it's looking like in your township or city or um county, <laughs> what these races are looking like and who you're paying attention to. But again, uh Local races are extremely important. We keep saying this over and over again. These are people that affect your life directly, like on a day-to-day directly basis. You know what I'm saying? So let's, you know, let's do everything we can to be as educated on who is running and who is moving with policies that are important to you and are presenting, um, real strategies around these issues because we have definitely recently seen some uh, local politicians that have flipped mm. on things that they were uh, campaigning on. Mm. And now it's, uh, well, you know what? After being in office, I don't like that thing that I said before. And I, I want you to join me. In you this love flipping. me a good taste of power. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Yeah, uh, let's uh, be informed, stay informed, all of those things. Ambush. Yeah, yeah. Can we get it how we used to get it, like when Top had the red charger? Oh, man, I should have had that queued up. <laughs> We're going to happen to a music break. <laughs> Malcolm, what's good? What's good, B? I'm a little concerned that maybe Malcolm is on the Oath Keep compound, you know? That would, that would explain some Are you things. in Idaho? That would explain some things. Are you a part of the Jefferson movement? Wait, is that what that's called? <laughs> What's it called? The people that want to merge oh, Idaho wanna, and, and yeah. Oregon. I, I can't remember. Malcolm, you're not doing that, are you? <laughs> Malcolm. Talk to us. Don't be out here doing that stuff. <laughs> Text fam, squad, friends. <laughs>
Where y'all at this morning? Don't be doing that. Don't be doing that. I know where Rudo is. I know where <laughs> Crystal is. You know? Facts. Facts, facts, facts. Oh, man. Ambush, there are some local stories that are wild for the night. Quite. And uh, remember how we were just talking about how the Oath Keepers are everywhere? Yes. I wonder if they could also be like prosecutors hmm. or judge. Hold that ponder. <laughs> Prosecutor used secret signal and witness bringing conviction into question. Secret signal with witness bringing conviction into question. A brief moment in 2009, in a 2009 court case, has come under scrutiny after years of struggle. Jaron Hickman was sentenced to life in prison for murder after a witness identified him as the shooter at a 2007 New Year's Eve party. But the witness only identified him during a brief recess in the trial caused by a power outage. Hickman has been appealing the conviction ever since, saying that the prosecution played dirty and that something unfair happened during that brief uh, recess. Judge Daniel Ahern wrote in a recent decision that though there was overwhelming evidence of Hickman's guilt, there was in fact something dishonest about the prosecution's tactics. Rod Underhill, who would later become the Multnomah County DA in 2020, arranged a signal with the witness. Underhill told the witness to look him straight in the eye if she recognized Hickman in the courtroom. She never did until the recess jogged her memory. The sudden recollection and identification of the defendant was suspicious to the judge at the time, who probed Underhill about any prior arrangements with the witness. Mm. Underhill and Ahern both agree that the signal made no difference on the trial, but Ahern said in a ruling last year that it could qualify as a Brady violation, referring to the Supreme Court case law that requires prosecutors to disclose exculpatory evidence to the defense. Now Hickman is citing Ahern's decision in another appeal, claiming that he was he has never received a fair trial. Um Okay, can I add something here? Oh yeah. Because Yeah. The thing that happened at the uh recess, the reason there so there the power goes out, there's a recess, everybody is, you know, files out of the courtroom and they're in the hallway, and the witness starts hyperventilating and saying oh my god that's him oh my god that's him oh my god that's him very perry mason matlock oh, dramatic yeah. yeah um which you know i think if uh certain other folks were uh the defendant in that trial that may have gone a different way oh yeah but here's oh, yeah. my question so you mean to tell me <laughs> that on the books, the reason there's even the Brady violation, uh, I don't know, law, like the, mm -hmm. the fact that you are not supposed to keep exculpatory evidence from the defense is because that's what prosecutors were just routinely doing. Right. And getting convictions for uh, people that had not done it, people who had maybe uh, done something else, but not the thing they're being charged for. Right. Even if the person did do it you breaking rules in order to prove that they did it doesn't work right i mean that's you have to also follow the law as a law enforcement officer blah 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 i'm here to uphold the blah 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 it'd be nice it would be nice so you so you mean to tell me that uh this was bad like the judge is like not great friend but 
not enough. And my thing is, if you, if I have to say to you, signal to me if you see this person in the courtroom, that means y'all didn't do your prep. Right. Why is this witness here? This is not an eyewitness. If you already have this person in custody right. and they have not identified that person, what are we doing? Also, the other witness made uh, the statement that all black men look alike. <laughs> so that is something like you, you absolutely cannot <laughs> yeah. rely on that kind of uh, testimony. Unless, of course, it doesn't matter to you if the person that you are about to imprison is guilty of the crime that you are alleging or not. Right. Right. But it's absolutely ludicrous to me that this could be a like a tisk tisk from the judge. Yeah. Like, a, oh, slap on the head. A little, hey, you, you know, you're getting real dangerously close to a Brady violation, friend. It could qualify like. It absolutely is. Did that witness, eyewitness, witness this person do it? Right. Because them not giving you the signal tells you that they didn't, right? And now, okay, you go out into the into the hallway and everybody's out there, including the jurors. That doesn't prejudice the jury. Right. Like, I just don't understand how this is a thing. It's um, It's interesting to be constantly reminded that that they find the integrity of the process much more important than the people that are being um, pushed through the process. Like, they always talk this fair trial, fair trial. We got to make sure it's a fair trials. And fair to who? Right. The trial or the person? <laughs> like, Or to your case. Is right. it fair to your case? Like, what is it fair to? Right. Because it certainly is not based on being fair to the person who is accused. And for all of the things that we talk about, you know, or are told like guilty and or, or innocent until proven guilty, we right. know that that is not the treatment that people actually receive. Not at all. And so when the when the people of the court, when prosecutors, when judges, when bailiffs, court reporters, when when everybody is just assuming you did it. Right. Or treating you like you did it. Right. Where's the fairness from the jump when the police can lie to you in order to or can coerce a confession out of yeah. you? Where's the fair from the jump? And I, I can't expect that every part of uh, the injustice system, as mm -hmm. we call it, I can't expect it to be, you know, uh, have just a one bad apple kind of situation in a department like it is the entire system. It is a systemic issue. And. When you are a part of that system, this is much why, you know, so many uh, defense attorneys burn out because seeing how unjust it actually is and being a part of it and not being able to change it has to be one of the most frustrating, you know, hardest things to do. Because especially for lawyers who believe in everybody deserves a defense, everybody deserves, you know, representation. Mm -hmm. How do you walk away from it when you also know that this is a completely unfair system from the beginning? Right. You know, but. Right. It's it's an unfair system. In addition to that, um, the system is only going to be as good as its weakest link um, in so many different ways. And, 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 and some of these cases 
there are um, instances where it's just like, this is not the best qualified person to be in this position. Right. And I want to ask you, Morgan Jones. Oh, me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, is it, am I thinking with uh, some type of elitist caste system mindset? Am I going down a slippery slope to say that there should be a certain level of, I don't know, testing or degree requirement or some level of, I don't know, schooling necessary to be in certain positions within within government, whether it's local, federal, like, should there be a higher list of requirements so people can't just show up? Um, yes, mm-hmm. and it has, it's, it's, it's much more than that. Okay. So yes, if people were more well-rounded in their education, that's better for all. If they're more well-rounded in experience, that's better for okay. all. Okay. However, a lot of these people are very highly educated, right? And so that in our American mind means they are qualified to do the thing, okay. which they are, a lot of them absolutely are not. And the reason they are not is because they do not have the experience of anybody else. And so they are unable, uh, not because they haven't had it, but because they don't have to. It's not required required for them to think about um, any other circumstances or experiences or how it would be different um, outside of their own experience in life. Mm -hmm. Um, That would be way more valuable if there were... (laughs) You know, um, much like I I say a lot, like uh, if you're going to be the CEO of whatever company, I think you have to work every position. And I don't mean mm-hmm. necessarily work from the bottom up, uh, you know, and that's the only way we get a CEO, although I wouldn't be mad at it. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, you have to do some of those other jobs each month. Like you need to know what it's like to answer the phone and you need to know what it means to be the one who responds to, uh, you know, customer inquiries and, and upset right. so-and-so's and uh, you need to know what the process is, whatever you're in charge of, because those folks make all these decisions that just fall in the fully, of, fully fall in the laps of yeah. people that they don't know. They don't care how the, how that process then affects them. Uh, it's just a, you know, we're going to do this cool marketing plan or we're going to do this, you know, yeah. Without knowing how that process goes, you continuously uh, throw more uh, fuel on the fire for those yeah, underpaid those issues. Yeah. workers. Yeah, very good point. So if, you know, some of these judges, or not some, if uh, one, you can't reform this system is my belief. So yeah. just let me be clear about that. This is, we are not talking about reform. We are talking about if ideally, uh, how would these how would judges or uh members of the justice system members of the justice system be how would we call them qualified i I feel like some of the things that um are found as consequences for bad behavior like uh, you've done this thing and now we have to send you the sensitivity training you've done this thing and we have to send you to this uh, DEI situation. You've done this thing, and now we have to put you in anger management. If some of these things were done on the front end, 
and some you know part preventative of your measure yeah what? you know qualifications going in then they can be referenced later like hey you signed off on completing this training do you remember that in the training these are the things that we went over yeah uh and these are the tools you were given in right, order to right blah, blah, blah. yeah right uh yeah i definitely i mean these are the kind of things that um are going to be fought forever because you know before we were in the workforce it was affirmative action right. that was just you know the bane of america's existence even though we all should know at this point that the biggest benefactor of affirmative action is uh, white women yeah. so Another boogeyman to be mad at. Yeah. Another fake welfare queen, you yeah. know. Um, but anyway, th this is the kind of thing that would change <laughs> uh, the the treatment of people. It would change the viewpoints of people. It would. Um, and I'm not saying all, but I'm saying that if if we started leading with this is this is actually how you treat people. This is not a consequence of right. you doing something wrong. This is the culture of our company. This is the culture of our justice system. This is the cult, you know. Yeah. If that, if we're leading with that and we mean it because we know that there's a gabillion companies out here doing diversity trainings and they do not mean it at all. And you know it immediately uh, if you're the person doing that training. You know it immediately if you are the, mar a, a part of a marginalized group in that training. Yep. But you definitely know it because you know your leadership and you know what they are capable of saying mm -hmm. and then what they are willing to do. Yep. And when the actions don't match the words, no, the, the culture of the company does not change. That retention that you're looking for of those black and brown employees so that you can continue to get the grants or continue to get the funding, federal funding. You're not going to keep them around because you don't mean it. Right. And but they in a, know it. Yeah. They're and, experiencing it. You're not meaning it. But different in the justice system because they don't want us there anyway. And right. so, like, you know, don't want a whole bunch of black and brown judges because that's going to change how. Th I mean, they know that. That was one of the huge gripes about Kentonji Brown Jackson. Like, you're not. She's going to change everything. <laughs> everything needs to be changed. Sorry. <laughs> It definitely does, but also one judge is not going to change everything, and that's right. not, that's an unfair thing to even put on her, but also an unfair reason to not <laughs> want uh, a black woman on the Supreme Court. And, I mean, from what you guys told us, these justices aren't coming with any baked-in notions and that, you know, they're straight down the middle. Completely impartial. So objective, just here to uphold the law, which yeah. aren't racist at all right. or sexist at all. So how can you look at one judge and say, well, they're coming with, a, wait a minute. I thought this isn't the way our justice system works, right? Mm. You know, you shouldn't be concerned whether they're pro or anti anything. If you're saying, you know, it's just. Sell it to somebody else. I'm not buying this bridge. And I never have been interested in bridge buying or any of the foolishness. Okay, stop it. Stop everything right now. What happened? Uh-oh. Shout out to Rudo. He says, yo, have you read about the American readout? 
Wikipedia that uh, woof signed no readout Rudo. So real quick Google search. I remember hearing about this like earlier this week. The American readout is uh, readout. I just want to make sure that that doesn't sound like readout. Right. Readout is a political migration movement first proposed in 2011 by survivalist, novelist, and blogger James Wesley Rawls, which designates designates Idaho, Montana, and Wyoming, along with parts of Oregon and Washington, as a safe haven for conservative Christians. Right. Rawls chose this area due to its low population density and lack of natural hazards. Right. We were watching some documentary or something, and uh, it might have been that that gentleman. He was leading um, a meeting, and they were the text, the the subtext on subtitles, and we're talking about readout movement and where this started. And I'm like, yeah, this sounds, this sounds familiar. familiar. Yeah. The funny thing is the the picture of the map that they have is like eastern. Oregon, Eastern Washington. Mm -hmm. Just put that right in that middle there. And then what? Like, I think what I I find most hilarious about these, like, let's merge states things, Mm -hmm. uh, which also these are the people who are like, make sure we have borders. Right. (laughs) (laughs) But not between these four states. You know, uh, the funniest thing to me is you really think that these existing states are going to be down to lose all of the funding or seats of political uh, political seats because you want a white Christian safe haven. Just go to where these places go to it. Yeah. It's not going to come to you. You know, the the craziest part to me is there. These exist. Right. (laughs) Right. It's the lack. It's the lack of geographical common sense for me. Whenever they talk about this, it's like, and I'm sorry, what? The border just comes into the state like a peninsula and then back out to go up around. Like, children. Yeah. Children. Well, at least this one is, like, straight up and down. You know, we're just yeah. going to, like, yeah. we're just going to take from here on over. I'm going to read more on that. Hello, come, come back uh, next Thursday, tell you all about the American readout. I mean, I do understand that your leader did like use a a sharpie and uh, made alterations to a map with regards to weather patterns. <laughs> so if like like if he's the president, he can do it. Sure, you guys can rearrange maps however you want to make it work. At what point though? At what point though? Do you just say, "Hey, man, uh, maybe a different strategy," because it's not going to happen. Well, but. Absolutely correct. It is not <laughs> going to happen. Right. But is it so off brand for them to be creating something that won't happen and then fighting for it in their minds? Like that is that is that's the MO. Right. I've created this thing that isn't happening and now I'm fighting against it. So I've created this thing that isn't happening and now I'm fighting for it. Right. It is so on brand. Now I have a reason, right? Now somehow, you know, there's funding. Someone right. is going to give them funding. Someone is no longer uh, working at the 
hunting sporting goods store right, or whatever right, right. because now we are planning the american readout listen so we're just in a text i only shop at the idaho part of winco you know for the readout <laughs> or something <laughs> oh. is the idaho part of winco in Kentucky? <laughs> also What's in that section? I want to know what what I'm losing out on by not going, you know. Mayo. May- oh, all right. Cool. <laughs> as long as it's not like, you know, uh, barbecue and grill supplies. I can't lose that. You still need to be able I, to get to that. Yeah. 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 Fair enough. You want to hit this last one real quick? Got to go. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, federal lawsuit alleges city of Portland fails to uphold American Americans with Disability Act by allowing tents on sidewalks. 10 Portland residents with disabilities are filing a lawsuit against the city of Portland for allowing outdoor camping on sidewalks. The crux of the suit hangs on a section of the ADA that identified sidewalks as, quote, service, program, or activity within a city that must remain accessible for those with disabilities. The plaintiffs claim that the city has not maintained the sidewalks in an accessible manner and tents, and that tents and debris on sidewalks are dangerous for people with mobility challenges. The suit is asking for all sidewalks to be cleared of tents and debris and for the city to offer shelter for all those swept. The city is required to have enough beds available in order to sweep an encampment. So the lawsuit seeks an order requiring the city to construct or purchase emergency shelters immediately. So when I first heard this, my immediate reaction was, okay, again, we talked about how, um, government will create situations where the citizens turn on each other. And it wasn't until after, um, you know, consuming more about this particular issue that I understand the motivation and what some of what they're trying to do here is force the city to do something. Act. Yeah. To act. Mm-hmm. I, I, I totally get that too. And I'm, I'm not upset with them being upset. I mean, they do, uh, mentioned some legitimate concerns with limited mobility uh within you know the walkways and and the sidewalks i definitely and it's you know again it's all about perspective right because that's not something i even considered all this time that we've been right in this crisis not something i even that even crossed my mind so i'm glad that that is happening for those reasons um but i just i i liken this to um, the children going to the Capitol and holding a rally about gun control directly after the shooting and thoughts and prayers. Like, I don't, I don't think this is going to give the, give us the outcome that we need. Um, and, it, and from, you know, just a glance over the situation, it just looks like, and is to an extent, just us again, going in each other's throats as the citizens and being made to be enemies of each other. And that's never going to help us because what we need is compassion, less apathy, and using that as a motivating factor when we're going to our civic leaders and saying, hey, listen, we this is an issue. This is an issue. And this isn't as hard of a problem to solve as you guys are making it. And guess what? If you can't solve it, we need to get you out 
and get someone else in who can't. Yeah. So there's 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 where I'm at. This is uh, to me a fight it out amongst yourselves, right? Because the inaction from the city to do permanent housing for people and to stop thinking about um to stop thinking about the ability but like it it should not be a thought to do warehousing of people it should not be a thought that is not a fix that's not a solution um you cannot get services the way that you need them if you are just warehousing people you cannot expect them to you know bootstrap themselves right um there are also a lot of people with disabilities that are houseless. There are a lot of people with disabilities that are in a tent. Yeah. And so this is to me a make them eat each other and they'll take each other out. Like um, very much a people for Portland idea in my mind is mm-hmm. to, Hey, you know who we should talk to people uh, with disabilities and see if they'll do a class action suit. That's, um, you know, conspiracy theory, Morgan right there. Nah, it, it, it's, it's pretty solid <laughs> as far as conspiracy theories go. Because it's, it, it, like you said, legitimate concerns yeah. and concerns that a lot of people that uh, are not do not have those same mobility issues do yeah. not think about. Yeah. And so, yeah, immediately you're like, oh, whoa, whoa. Hey, we got to do something about that. Right. Right. It, the fix can't be just throwing people in shelters, though. And I I am hard pressed. <laughs> To believe that um, many people with disabilities find that as an appropriate fix, because that is completely inhumane. Yeah. And for the we know for certain that disabled people are treated lesser than lesser than in every context. And then if you add on other marginalizations, Mm. so we just we you know, we know that. Right. Which is very on par with how houseless people are treated. And so this is, to me, a moment of y'all can go ahead and fight that out, eat each other, hate each other, and not focus on who's really at fault here. Poverty is a policy choice. They are deciding to keep these people houseless. They are deciding to only speak about temporary housing which they know will absolutely not do anything in the long run for those people. They know that is a cycle of houselessness. They know it's a cycle of poverty. So we need to be upset with the people who control the money, with the people who control the policies. Like that's who we need to be talking to. Yeah. And they're doing that. Don't get me wrong. They've a class action suit against the city is going against the city. Right. However, the outcome that you're looking for in this particular instance is harmful. Yeah. Is dangerous. Yeah. This quick fix ain't it. And that is that's the that's the part that gets me is that hey, if it was if this was different and it was just like hey, we'll g- get you a quick fix of use crutches not your wheelchair. Right. Uh, you know? Man. Like Yeah. So I'm not I hope that I'm not sounding insensitive in any way. I am I definitely um want to make clear that this to me is what happens when outside entities are able to mm-hmm. uh, weaponize yeah. people's identities and situations. What happened to music break real quick in preparation for Alex we love joining it. us? 
Here to tell us about why some city officials are now opposing charter reform is news editor for the Portland Mercury, friend of the show, Alex Zielinski. Hey. Good morning, Alex. Good morning. How are we today? Doing well. Getting caffeinated. Lovely. Yes. 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 It's the right way to go. <laughs> so I was doing some reading yesterday and I would love to hear about your piece <laughs> because, uh, wow. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, piece about kind of charter reform and where, where yes. people in power kind of stand on it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Please. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, it's pretty interesting. It's been a really fascinating journey to to get to where we are right now when it comes to um, passing and maybe voting on amendments to the city's charter, which is um, essentially like the, the constitution of a city, the founding document. They kind of, this is how, a, you know, the city government is structured. This is how elections are held. This is who's in charge of what. Um, every 10 years in Portland, uh, a group of volunteers are appointed by city council to uh, take nearly two years to like really review and dig into uh, the current charter and, and talk to members of the public to see maybe what problems they have with it, where it could be going farther, really just make sure that it's still adequately reflecting the needs of Portlanders. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a big piece of the process is to really not let it be dictated or directed by people who are currently, you know, working within the system, like members of the city council or the mayor or even even a lot of city staff. You know, it's, they obviously talk and meet with folks who work within city government to figure mm-hmm. out and hear maybe what they don't think is working um, because they have that, you know, that experience. But a lot of it is looking at people who have no kind of connection with city government, don't really know how uh, deals are made behind closed doors, don't really understand how policies are are, are operated as well as, you know, the the lobbyists kind of in city hall, just to see kind of what's working and what's not, and if they actually feel like the city is working for them. Um, And we're at a point right now where a lot of folks are fed up with how Portland is operating with, um, you know, the number of bureaus that you have to call to get your trash trash move that was dumped in your property or to uh, get a permit to, to add on something to your house. It's just a lot of redundancies and kind of, it, it seems like, you know, there isn't much uh, focus on actually getting, uh, working for the people that it's serving. At the same time, we have, you know, a group of city councilors that is made up of four, five people plus the mayor who are voted citywide. So they're not representing different regions of the city. They're just kind of representing, you know, whoever got the most money from whatever donors across the entire city. Mm -hmm. Uh, Majority have historically lived in the West Hills. Mm -hmm. Um, It's pretty rare for anyone to live east of 82nd. I believe Joanne Hardesty does, but that is, you know, not really, uh, uh, there wasn't any mandate for that really in her election. Um, and so the proposal this year that's being put forward by the Charter Review Commission, the, the group of volunteers who are appointed to review it, includes a lot of changes to those problems, a lot of ways to address those problems, and all kind of bundled up into one ballot measure 
that includes uh, expanding the number of city council to, I believe, 12 from five, mm-hmm. um, and then having each city commissioner um, represent a, a district and not, not a one-to-one. It's a little bit more interesting. It's having three city commissioners each from one uh, geographic district and with the idea that, you know, if uh, there's one person that you feel like is not really speaking for you in your in your district, there's going to be someone else hopefully that you can uh, speak to and to kind of provide a, a, a balance of representation from one district, especially since it's still just being broken down into four districts, which is pretty small still. And another piece of it would be taking away the ability for the mayor to vote uh, as a member of city council unless he needs unless there needs to be a tie broken but also change the form of voting for local uh, elections to change it to a rank choice form of voting where you basically rank your like from one to five or one to you know 20 kind of your preferred candidate that allows for a lot of um for basically when, when you're counting the, the ballots if the person's number one person didn't get more than a majority of the vote, then you go down to the second person. And so it's if if your favorite person isn't elected, your second favorite person might be, the, the chances might right. be more realistic for that. So it's a little bit um, more nuanced than just uh, my person or no one. Or um, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So like during the mayoral election last uh, a couple of years ago, you know, you could have put, um, you know, Sarah Anarone and then Teresa Rayford and then Ted Wheeler, you know, to, yeah. to, to give folks kind of an, an uh, more like fluid options of kind of who could represent them. Um, and another piece of it, there's kind of a lot, another piece of it would be changing, uh, kind of getting a lot of the administrative pieces of the job away from city commissioners and the mayor and giving it to a non-elected uh, city manager or city administrator, which is pretty common in a lot of cities. Um, right now, you know, we have all of our city commissioners working basically as the directors in some ways of every bureau that they are, that's in their portfolio. Um, and that is not necessarily what people elected them to do, even though that's their job. Um, but it's a lot of kind of administrative work and a lot of, um, you know, that kind of stuff. And so, uh, and most cities that's being handed off to someone who actually has the um, work experience of handling a bunch of bureaus of handling, you know, hiring and firing and the HR side of stuff. And so that would be handed off to an administrator. Um, so this proposal is going to the November ballot. It's kind of how the process works when the review, when the charter review um, is finished, it, it advances to a ballot measure. But a lot of folks, are there's a pretty strong and well-funded campaign out going against it, which is which is interesting because it's being led by a lot of people who said that they were eager to support the charter review kind of results. Exactly. Um, yeah, people who people like City Commissioner Mingus Maps, who started a a, a PAC um, in uh, 2021 mm-hmm. specifically to raise money to support whatever results would come from the charter commission. Um, and now when the results were kind of, you know, made public, his whole pack is turning the other way to say, actually, we're not going to be supporting this. We're going to have our own thing and we're going to have our own ballot measure that hopefully you endorse 
in in May and vote for in May um, if the if the November ballot initiative from the charter group uh, fails. Um, and then you have another pact that is fighting strongly just against the passage of this uh, this ballot, which is made up of people who were in City Hall, like had positions in City Hall in the past whether that be elected or, you know, were chiefs of staff or, or you know, members of, of City Hall staff or people who tried to work in City Hall and didn't get in and I think still are interested in getting in, like um, uh, a local man named Vidim Mazursky who ran against Joan Hardesty um, in, the, in the primary mm-hmm. and did not win. Um, and so you have people who... Uh, and at the same time, you also have um, the Portland Business Alliance kind of fighting the, the, the main lobbyist group for, for business interests. It's lobbying for for people not to vote to yes on this on this charter reform. Um, wow! And uh, you know, a lot of it from the from the perspective of people who worked on the this volunteer board to come up with you know improvements, um, especially having folks who are currently in elected positions like Commissioner Matz, mm-hmm. uh, fighting against what your what you worked really hard on, worked within the system of city government and, and did what you were, were told to do, you know, it kind of comes as an affront and it comes a lot of of these volunteers are pretty offended that their work is just being kind of undermined by the elected officials who appointed them to <laughs> yeah. uh, serve on this commission. And saying, actually, no, we're not going to help this pass. We're going to come up with our own thing. We think it's too risky. We think it's too. There's a lot of a lot of words, vague words around kind of why this is problematic. It's either um, too experimental. It hasn't been tried before. Which, um, <laughs> you know, all of these things at the same time have never existed in one um, in one city or state or you know any kind of jurisdictional government, which is true. But they've all existed independently in and worked successfully in these other jurisdictions. And so I think the fear is well, we don't have an exact model to compare the success to of this plan. So it's it's bound to fail. Um and <laughs> you know to be clear, I think a lot of the fear is just around something new. I think it's around yeah. a lot of people who are who knew how the systems worked for so long and knew how to find knew how to work within the yeah. form of government to um, to be heard, to get their uh, have their you know get their meeting with a, with a city commissioner and right. um, really have their issues pressed. Like they they don't really know how that will look in the future. And if you have twelve city commissioners instead of five, and if you have some of them representing parts of the city that you don't live in or that you don't um, you know, support much, uh, especially out East Portland, then it's it's too risky and it's too dangerous and it could undermine your entire business somehow. Um, <laughs> at the same time, people who are interested in running for office, people who are currently in office, I think they see that this will lessen their power as it will spread the decisions among 12 commissioners instead of... Right. Instead of just five, it will take away a lot of the kind of bureau control that they currently have and give that to a city administrator. 
um, the voting system doesn't seem like something that they're familiar with and they know how to, you know, operate within. They don't know how to fundraise and lobby mm-hmm. within this new form of voting, which has existed in, in many other states. And actually it was kind of the exact same form of voting that used in the special election in Alaska, uh, last week, the uh-huh. week before where, um, the first indigenous member of, uh, first indigenous Alaskan beat Sarah Palin. Um, kind of speaking to, and of course, like within minutes of that happening, Sarah Palin blamed the form of voting for the reason that she lost. So there's a lot, there's a lot going on. There's a lot of reasons why people are uncomfortable with it. There's a lot of reasons that people are supportive of it. And, um, I think it's a, you know, it's a combination of fear of something new. And urgency for wanting a change, you know, from different groups, of course. But, and we're at this moment in Portland where the majority of people are kind of fed up with the way that things are working, you know. Um, I, that's the that's the thing for me, Alex. It, it seems like every single person, we may not all have the idea, the same idea on what change we want, but it's right. like something has to happen. And so yeah. for the leadership to be like, but not this. Right, right. Uh, But not this, and let us actually suggest something else that we personally believe is better, even though the system is don't allow leadership to write these changes within government. (laughs) Um, It's just, I don't know, like maybe I'm a cynic, but like it's not a surprise. You know, it's not a surprise that this is the way things have leaned. Um, It's just disappointing. (laughs) Very much. (laughs) Which is just. Yeah, reporting on City Hall in 2022. So, um, yeah, it's basically kind of saying, oh, you didn't create the thing that I exactly wanted. So then I must create something different. That's exactly what I want because that is how democracy works. Question mark, question mark, question mark. Yeah. Oh, Um, man. This is this is one of those ones where we have to we'll we'll have to talk about this more than today. Oh yeah, because oh, yeah, it's a, a lot to explain and unpack. Yeah, it's a lot to explain, a lot to unpack, and it's the the thing that we're gonna hear going into. You know, yeah, we're just gonna hear what these new plans or you know, right now it's very vague, but uh, as they flesh that out, it's gonna be interesting. So. Alex, yeah, yeah. Thank you so much. As always, cannot wait to talk to yeah, you next Thursday. <laughs> yeah. Have a wonderful rest of your week. This will be continued. Yeah. <laughs> Have a lovely week. Thanks. That was Alan Zelensky, news editor of the Portland Mercury. Tune in every Thursday at 8.45 a.m. to hear an update from the Mercury right here on News of My Fiance on X-Ray. You're listening to X-Ray FM at KXRY Portland at 107.1 and 91.1 FM streaming online everywhere at xray.fm. And this news, my fiance. Eh? Eh? It was us. It was us. Today's show was made possible by Morgan Jones and myself, DJ Ambush, uh, news writer Brian Miller, and podcast editor Kyle G. With our guest Alex Zelensky. Yes, and we did have one final um, text uh, from Rudo. What the world needs now is love, sweet love. And nachos. It's like you're trying to make okay. me Gene. Okay, Rudo. By reading this stuff, Rudo. You're giving me Gene scripts. You should have sang it. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. <laughs>
happen. <laughs> All right, we're out of here. We'll catch you next week. Bye.